but I'm happy to have you here. I'm happy to learn more about Zonda. Yeah. And you, the okay, North you. Vancouver success story. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. Well, you're from North Van originally, right? Yeah, I'm from, um, I went to Carson Graham High nice. in North Vancouver. Nice. And I was born um, in Canada, U.S. parents. So I have citizenship in both countries. Sandy. Yeah. And then what was your, how, what was your first business venture out of school? Um, it was a, it's called Myers Group. There was a data company serving the home building industry in San Diego. So I had a, I worked for a land developer in San Diego. Um, I interviewed through an internship program at San Diego State and I got turned down by a number of the larger corporations like Merrill Lynch, Xerox, IBM. And I, I don't think I fit in the box. And then, um, you know, this developer said, well, why don't you come work for me? So I did kind of everything, you know, looked at municipality entitlements, things like that. And then he hit a big home run in Phoenix on a big land deal and said, I'm going to retire. Do you, what are you going to, do you want to start a business? And so I said, I'd love to start a data business. So that's how it happened. And you had financial backing. Yeah. He was the angel investor. Yeah. I told him $50,000 and $500,000 later, we were uh, up and running. <laughs> it was a, I missed it by about a zero, which is, yeah. I tell all good entrepreneurs, like whatever you think your budget is, double it. Yeah. You know, it always costs a, a lot more to do a startup than you, yeah. than you hope. So, yeah. And so what was your, what was your niche? Was it geographical or, or some part of the industry? Yeah, we were, we were San Diego only. So, um, and at the time I knew of two competitors, but there was actually three, which in the data business you want, two is fine. Three is a crowd and four is a bit of a disaster because oh. you're too, too much competition. So the biggest difference was we, um, the PC had just come out. So I'm dating myself and the, and it, it, the PC was there, but then the HP laser jet. So at the time we were printing data sheets on a laser jet printer and then, you know, making that the master and then doing a bunch of book copies, hard and copies. It, yeah. Hard yeah. copies. And so they were basically like MLS books and, but for new construction only. And we, um, pretty quickly, you know, at that time I was collecting the data, had a software engineer working with me, but I was collecting the data, selling the data. And so it was really this full circle. When you go out to the client, they say, Hey, your data is wrong. You're like, well, wait a minute. I was there collecting it in person. I know this is what I heard and this is what we validated. So that eventually gave us market share to where we sort of dominated that um, market. And then we just kept adding markets um, each year and then grew throughout Western us and then uh, raised some capital in 96. And then what? Well, we raised um, about $20 million and we identified about 16 companies in the U S that were collecting market data for home building and we acquired 10 of them. So nice. we went through a number in my entire career, we've bought about 16 different companies. How did you get the idea to that? That was the right path to buy existing companies as opposed mm -hmm. to continuing your, your sort of city by city or market by market. Yeah. It was really speed to market and in, in, in the U S like Canada. Um, and I think real estate's such a local market. There's nuances in every market in every, you know, every city and, and county. And so, you know, every one of those companies had adopted their platform to that market. And so there was a, there was a huge learning curve and by acquiring companies, you could get there faster. Yeah. So we, we did those 10 acquisitions over the course of probably three years. 
And so we were the first national platform serving home building. In was, the there, was there somebody you looked up to that was mentoring you through that? Or was it your first angel investor or was it your, just you? The angel investor was helpful. I, I think, you know, early on I, I met Andy Florence, who's the chairman of um, CoStar. Um, he's uh, probably the smartest guy in our, in the data business. I mean, he's, they're $34 billion. Um, and I met him probably year five. And, you know, he's a Princeton grad. He went to school with Jeff Bezos, really thoughtful. And, and if, if you listen to his earnings calls, which I do, um, he's always a step ahead. So th he's really who, yeah, I watched how he grew his business. Um, the biggest difference between, we, we were a little slower trajectory, number one, because we got to profitability faster and then grew through that way. And he lost money in probably the first 14, 15 years of business. And now you can see he's, he's a lot bigger. You know, I wonder if <laughs> profitability can be a curse in early days. I mean, with growth, if, when you have it, you think, oh, that's great. We're profitable. There's, you know, these other guys are, you know, you, I mean, look at Amazon, right? Yeah. I mean, when you think about Amazon was like this, everyone said, well, when are they going to make money? Totally. It was and a joke now, for a while. Yeah, exactly. They were a joke. And now you look at, and so, no, I think there's a lot to say for that because yeah. they, the way Andy presented his numbers was by year five, each of these markets will turn the corner, but we're doing them, uh, you know, very quickly. Yeah. So we're losing massive amounts of money over time. But then now you look at today, I mean, they just, they have incredible EBITDA, like really strong. So I, th I think there's something to say for that. And that's the VC model, right? Is, is, and Zonda, the, my second iteration company, that's now Zonda. We, we did that. We, we went nationwide year, year one, and we lost significant money to get there. And so we hired, um, you know, right out of the gate, we had 25 salespeople. So you sold your old company now? Yeah. I sold my old company in 04, um, to Hanleywood, which is a large media platform serving new construction, both commercial and, um, housing. And then I had a three-year non-compete. So I did some advisory during the downturn. So kind of, you know, as we talked earlier, the, uh, the downturn in the U S was like none other. It was the, the biggest housing crash in U S history and numbers that no one ever could understand. Like markets like Las Vegas house price went down 70%. Yeah. So you can imagine what that just destroyed most. And, you know, tens of thousands of home builders went out of business. Um, but then when, when we sort of came out of that in 12, 13, I'd started a small advisory company. Um, and then I sold that business to Kennedy Wilson, who ended up becoming my partner to grow Zonda. And they invested, you know, plus or minus $20 million into the business to, to really, rather than do the ABC rounds in venture capital. So you sold your business to Kennedy Wilson, and then you must've had a non-compete for a while. Yeah. Well, it, it was more of a partnership. It was oh, a very small platform. We, we really had little to no revenue Okay, as more, they partnered with me to start Zonda. Oh, I see. And we um, grew Zonda pretty quickly over the course of five years and disrupted the old business that I had sold to. Oh, cool. So it's kind of, <laughs> you've seen that before. <laughs> it's, it's, it's easier the second time, I think, Yeah. you know, to, to do, you know, the same business over again. Cause when you start with a clean slate, Yeah. you say, okay, what were all the issues in my old business? Cause when you make 10 acquisitions, there's a lot of integration issues and you end up with the legacy platforms you don't want to deal with. And so this one, we were able to start clean. And more we'll capitalized too. Yeah, more cap lots of capital. We um, 
had a had a pretty strong initiative around we wanted to build a native iOS app. So he did an iPad first um, application. We wanted real time data, so data coming into the system constantly versus quarterly. Um, and then we we first time in my career having built software, we hired a UX designer. We hired a firm out of San Francisco called Hot Studio. An interesting story. They one of their clients was Facebook, obviously their biggest client, yeah. and we. Um, we're working with them over a course, probably about 18 months. And we had just about completed our engagement and they said, we're being sold to Facebook. So they basically built a lot of the mobile systems you see on Facebook today. They designed those systems. So really a top notch firm. And so they helped us design the original Zonda. And the exciting thing about that was design, you know, I think Steve Jobs says it's making things easy is hard to do. And so it's my first experience because historically when you build a system with engineers, you know, it looks terrible, super hard to understand. And you, you have to train people constantly to get them to know how to use this system. This system was so intuitive that anyone could pick it up and use it and incredibly powerful. So a lot of the, the good news was a lot of the senior executives said, wow, this is the first time it's something I can actually use. And a lot of, um, I had noticed in the industry, a lot of senior executives and CEOs adopted the iPad, especially in home building. Cause you've got a lot of, you know, a lot of the leadership is older. Their eyes aren't as strong. They're like, well, the iPhone's great, but the iPad's better. It's bigger. <laughs> and so that, that was really helpful. And, and so we, we, we got a lot of adoption. We ended up buying clients, a lot of iPads. So, you know, you go to like a KB home, you know, building 10, 15,000 units a year. And they'd say, we don't have any iPads. And we sold sign this contract for four or 500,000 a year, we'll buy 20 iPads. It's, it's a kind of easy, easy thing to do. So yeah, that was, um, but the analyst was the challenge because the analyst thought the iPad's a toy, right? Yeah. They want to get into the data, get into the weeds. And so we battled that a little bit and we had to stand up a desktop version as well. Yeah. So that's what we did. And it was from the plan from get go was, uh, acquisition, acquisition. Yeah. You know, my career, like I, said, I think I've made 16 acquisitions and, um, you know, I, I love trying to convince entrepreneurs to sell. How do and, you do it? You know, I, th I think the, the key, it's funny. I, re I read a book once and I can't even remember the name, but really like one of these really short stories on how to buy a business. And it's, it's funny. You, the key is getting somebody to a price and then you have to get them to terms because, because you can name the price at any level, it can be like way overpriced, but you say, well, maybe I can get there in five years and maybe it takes an earn out to get to that. And so you just, you start maneuvering that. And then I think the key with entrepreneurs is they, they want to know one that their business, I mean, obviously they want the monetary event and, and the success there, but they want to know the business is going to get taken care of. And so what I try to spend a lot of time around is that, you know, like here locally, we bought urban analytics and Michael and John, we had met two years prior and I was always transparent of sharing what we, what success we found with different, you know, data ideas and how to um, interact with your customer. And so there's, you get this camaraderie around just like, we love the business and we, and we love what we can help our customers um, succeed in. And then as you build that relationship, um, then you start sharing the idea of, wouldn't it be great if we could work together? And so it's never a top-down approach. Like I never want to think anyone to think that we're going to buy your company and 
move aside, you know, we'll, we'll take it from here. It's more, how do we, you know, more than we do around high rise development. So how do we take what you've learned and what we've learned and make it even better? And, and that's the approach I try to take with all acquisitions. Is that, is that what the first conversation sounds like when you call them up and say, introduce yourself? I mean, now, now people know our company for acquiring companies. So you, <laughs> a lot of entrepreneurs- when they get a call from you, they're excited. Yeah, their radar comes up pretty quickly. Yeah. Like, uh, is this an acquisition conversation? And um, you know, we're, we, as a company, we'll make two to three acquisitions a year. You yeah. know, you'll see us make at least one more this year. And so, yeah, it comes out pretty quickly. That's the big difference from my first go around is it might take three meetings to, I'll meeting one, I'll say, Hey, what, what do you think about us acquiring your business? And it just speeds up the process and, and gets people thinking about it, the idea and concept. So it's, um, but it's, you know, we, we have the, we've been very fortunate. None of our businesses have we acquired have been, um, had investment bankers. We've, we've sourced them all directly and it's just knowing our industry and, and the people in our industry. Yeah. Um, we try to source them. And You're not it, going in cold. You know, everybody. Yeah. Well, hopefully. By reputation at least. Thank you. Yeah, we try, but it's, it's, um, it's important to build that relationship and people want to know their, I remember the first company we acquired in DC you know, 25 years ago. I mean, the owner cried when we bought it. She was just like, so she couldn't believe she, you know, she had it for 30 years. Yeah. And, she built something that someone. Yeah. And, and it was my first acquisition ever and oh, didn't amazing. know what I was doing. And must have you felt know, amazing. It, it did at the time, but it was, it was almost like I was nervous because you, you didn't know, like, you're like, wait a minute. And then all of a sudden I had to stand up in front of all the, her employees and say, Hey, there's, you know, we're the new owners. And it was, it was difficult, but now we, we do it much faster and, and we try <laughs> to, um, integrations hard, but it's really important. Yeah. And, and then you get these cultural differences. How do you deal with that? Like how, how what's, uh, what's your best plan for integration? Um, you know, some companies, so probably the, the, we did an integration in Phoenix that it was like, you call it kind of a tuck in. It was one where we bought the company. They did exactly what we do, except for their, their systems were a lot more, um, rudimentary than ours because we, we can spend a lot more on technology. And so the goal was to sunset their platform as fast as we can. And so every one's a little different, but that one, what we did was we, basically sold through it. We, we called every one of their customers and say, Hey, we're going to put you on this platform and we're going to upgrade you and it's going to cost more. And they're like, well, wait a minute, I'm paying this and now you're going to, and, and we could, we could get about 80% conversion. And then the last 20%, you just kind of like, let's just solve this any way we can. Cause you want to, the problem with companies like these is you end up with all these legacy softwares that you don't want to keep supporting. And so we still have a handful of softwares today that we don't like to talk about, and we're trying to, you know, we've got two big ones. We're going to sunset this year and it's taken us three years to do it. And so it's, it's, a, it's a big challenge and, and you've got to get that integration done as fast as you can. Cause that's, that's where the synergies are. You know, you've got a bunch of engineers keeping something going that is really not. So it's not about the, the culture of the organizations, the technology. Mostly well, that's, the that's one, the culture is a big, big challenge as well. And I'll say our HR department is, is really important. And, um, our partners mid ocean, it's interesting what private equity does because private equity, they want to know everything going on, right? That's they, the, your partner now. Your yeah. Mid ocean is our private equity partner. And so they, they actually brought an HR professional into our business and, 
if you think about it, it's pretty smart, right? Because you know everything. <laughs> you know everybody's yeah, totally payroll. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like their way of saying, "Well, who's he hiring? Who's he firing?" Yeah. I mean, you can kind of see everything. Yeah. It's full transparency. And at first, I was like, oh, "I don't know if I like this because you know yeah, you, big you're not doing it." Yeah, big. But we're very fortunate. Their HR person is one of the best I've ever. I mean, he's fantastic on onboarding um, diligence. But we did bring in. Um, someone more recently in HR that is really about building culture. And uh, her name is Masha and she's been phenomenal. I mean, just, just cause you've got it. And, and she's improved on our, our onboarding, um, our, you know, the culture and, you know, we do town halls quarterly. We have, um, I do a weekly video for the whole company every week on Friday morning, I get up and just announcing different things in the business, what we're doing. And, and it just, and that, that happened caused also because of COVID and the communication gap. Yeah. We really increased our communication and that helps get, you know, we've got offices in the UK, India, Canada, US. So they're, they're very dispersed, 75% are work from home. So the keeping the everyone on the same page is important. So over communicating, I think is key. Mm -hmm. But what she's done, we have this system called Bucket List, which is a platform built here in Canada. Actually, I, I can't remember where they, I think they're out of Toronto. Really great. Oh, they're in town. They're friends of mine. Are they? Oh, yeah. great. Yeah. It's, it's a cool, really cool platform where you can, you know, you give all these points to leadership and you can, you, you can give points to uh, different employees for, you know, different successes. And it, it's just a really great recognition totally. platform love it. and and we love it. And it's, it's, it's brought the company together. And so the more, when you acquire a company and you bring them into that kind of activity, it just, it gets them excited about being here. So, mm -hmm. you know, my, our goal two years ago was to make Zonda the best place to work mm -hmm. and we haven't achieved it, but it's something that we work towards, you know, every day. Like it's just, because if you can attract the best talent, you end up with the best company. Yeah. And so that, that's really what it's all about. And bucket list is a good way to get the the new people excited about this cool, really cool intangible thing that exactly that their new ownership does yeah. for everybody. Yeah. yeah cool. No, it's been a, I, I knew they were from Canada, I just wasn't sure, yeah, yeah, no that, but they're cool. No, they'll be happy for the, uh, the kudos. I mean, you guys are, how many employees do you have now? We have about a thousand. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. That's huge. You guys are monsters. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I, I'm in this, uh, we, I'm part of this Harvard real estate advisory board. It's so a lot of the senior leadership around real estate. And, uh, at the last meeting I sat next to the CEO of Home Depot. He says, we have 50,000 employees. You yeah. go, okay. <laughs> makes you feel We're small. Really, yeah, it makes you feel like, you're like, okay, I, I get it. And you know, they've, you've got like Kohler and CEO of Lennar. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a really, I'm like the small, it's nice to be in that group at all. Yeah. Just to go to those meetings is exciting, but no doubt. it's fun. So how, how do you decide, um, like in your acquisition plan, do you, are you, do you have a lot of balls bouncing or are they strategic based on like who's winning in a certain part of sure. the industry or how do you decide? Yeah. I mean, we're, you're right now, we're really focused on sales and marketing solutions. So, so livable being kind of the centerpiece of that, but we want to, we want to help. Um, and livable was buzz, buzz home. Buzz, buzz home. Yeah. yeah is our listing platform. And, and so we've, we've started to put a lot of focus and effort around that. We hired a senior executive from Zillow to run that business. He came to us, um, as head of product engineering for Zillow for the whole company. And so really is strong at building SEO and building audience, which is what we need. Um, and so 
you know, we, we are targeting all digital solutions around the customer experience around buying, you know, buying new construction homes. And, and we think there's just a huge void in the market. I mean, it's somewhat, you know, I wouldn't say it's totally disruptive, but we don't believe the site we envision exists today, including our site. It's not there yet. And so we think we can change the customer journey because all the resale portals have jammed new homes into their context. And we think that, you know, when you're buying a new home, you're buying into a community and amenity package, you know, it's an entire environment, which is so different than resale. Um, so we think that we've got a pretty robust roadmap and then there's pieces of that puzzle that we will do an acquisition versus build it. So it's always a build versus buy equation. Yeah. And we, we think there's, there's dozens of companies, well, more than dozens around North America that serve, um, the industry. And, and the, the thing that works well for Zonda is we've got plus or minus 150 salespeople. And then we've got a pretty robust marketing department. So the ability to buy a smaller company and push it through our sales channel gives you, you know, an immediate benefit and, and synergy. Cause a lot of these smaller companies, it's hard for them to add that next salesperson totally. or the next one. And we can just put it through our sales channel and 150. Yeah. So it's helpful. And we, and we, you know, we've got a lot of modern sales automation tools, you know, so whether it's, it's gong or Salesforce or, um, uh, I forget the IO one, but it's just a lot of these different tools that help us be really efficient at sales because that's at the end of the day, as I've said to all our, you know, when I speak to entrepreneurs, they all say, well, how do you build a business? They say what most, a lot of entrepreneurs forget is they invent something that's really cool, but they forget about driving revenue. And if, if you can drive revenue successfully, everything else is easy because mm -hmm. revenue is the most unpredictable piece of the equation. If someone said to me, get your expenses to 50, 60, $70 million. Exactly. That's not hard. I can nail expenses. I can't nail revenue. Totally. So the more I can make revenue predictable, the, the easier it is to run the business. Yeah. So we, we spent a lot of time sales training. We have a 90 day onboarding um, platform for our sales team. It's really robust. There's a test at the end of it. And, um, you know, if they don't pass, they don't make it. But mm -hmm. so we, we have about a 75% success rate with our sales team staying with the company. So it's, it's something that's really important to us. Yeah. That, that dependable revenue thing really resonates. I mean, in our, in our business, uh, it's really not dependable. It's radical. Yeah. You know, yeah, that, we yeah. have these uh, huge uh, launching, huge projects, selling the majority of, of the real estate, you know, at the launch, yeah. um, where we, and we make majority commission yeah. uh, in terms of our income for sure. And then, uh, and then there's, you know, a drought until the next project is right. Yeah. Our clash flow is extremely lumpy. Right. But you guys are SaaS. So yours steady, steady, steady. Yeah. Steady, I mean, it's steady. not, it's not all perfect. You yeah. know, we, we've got, we, we, um, we have all, you know, we have a few different pieces of our business that are, you know, the, the, the core part of a business is subscription, which gives you, um, more consistent revenue. So yeah, yours is definitely more lumpy, Yeah, but it, I mean, it's, it's amazing to me in Vancouver and what you do is so amazing because of the, the scale and size of these projects is massive. And it's, it's just, it's fun to watch. I mean, you don't see, I'd say in markets like Manhattan, Miami, you know, where high rise is more prevalent, you, you see 
the type of, you know, type of companies like yourself. But I, I really think this is one of the most sophisticated markets in North America. It's nice to hear from you because you're everywhere. I mean, you're based on Newport Beach, right? Right. And you keep home in Victoria. Right. You, you service the whole North American market. Right. Yeah. And I, I've been, you know, visited with builders, developers, marketing firms all over North America. And yeah. it, it's really, I mean, both Toronto and Vancouver are very sophisticated markets. And it's the, the way these projects launch and sell and some of the tools that are being used to, you know, to, to execute are, are really exciting. Yeah. So it's cool. Oh, it's so nice to hear from America-based people. <laughs> little old Canada. Well, I'm a little balanced, right? So <laughs> you are, have for an sure. Advantage. And I definitely appreciate it because, uh, you know, in many ways, Canada is just like another state to the U.S. in terms of population yeah. or, or economic importance. Yeah, it's fun. It's interesting because I never, you know, coming from California, fifth largest economy in the world, right? You, you think, well, nothing's it. But you look at the real estate the size of the real estate market in Toronto, Vancouver, I mean, they're massive. They're really, really big. Mm -hmm. And so it's exciting. And Especially it, and in the it, new home sector, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I didn't really understand that until we acquired um, Urban, Urban Analytics. Yeah. yeah. I just didn't. And then all of a sudden the scale. And then I, after we acquired Buzz Buzz Home and Livable, I was like, then I learned the Toronto side. I went, wow, this is fascinating how big it is. So, yeah. Um, so there is no urban analytics in Toronto. It's it yeah, was no, we've us. expanded them. So yeah. we're, we, since we acquired urban analytics, we opened in Toronto, Ottawa, Victoria, Kelowna, and we're adding 12 more markets this year. So, cool. you know, there's a big growth into, you know, with the whole work from home, a lot of the secondary tertiary markets have really taken off. And so we're, I, I think I told you a little bit about of our, our data platform and our use of satellite imagery. We're able to expand a lot faster and more cost effective. So we're expanding in, you know, by we're about 70% of all new construction in the U S we'll get to about 90% in three years. And so in Canada, same thing, we're going to go into every market and now we can expand more efficiently. So and in three years, we'll be tracking 90% of all new projects. Yes. Amazing. Yep. And what are you doing with satellite imagery? So we, we get streaming satellite imagery from multiple sources. We bought a company in Glasgow, Scotland called um, bird eye and they have a data science team. You know, it's a small group. We, we probably have, I don't know, eight or nine data scientists. And then we've got a pretty, probably 25 engineers in Glasgow. And it's, it's actually, University of Edinburgh has a really strong data science program. And so I think that's why it incubated there. It was a, it was a VC startup company, but we experimented with them on saying, could we possibly track stages of construction um, using training an algorithm to do it? So what we do is we get, and, and we proved it out. And so we acquired the company. So we get, as we get the streeting satellite, we can, the minute grading shows up on a, on a site, it notifies us. And then we start tracking streets, slabs, framed and completed homes. And it's probably the coolest part of our business. When I see the dots being placed on a map automatically, like it just, you just watch it. It's like, without human intervention, it just, it tracks all that data automatically through imagery. So, I mean, though the, we're experimenting and, and now we're going to do it for high rise here as well. So we're John Benest who oversees the business here in Vancouver. We're doing it for high rise. So we're tracking eight different stages of construction through satellite. And we'll be able to put that into the database um, probably by third quarter. Nice. So it's a really, and we've got a number of data science projects, probably a dozen or so that we're working toward. Um, just with the, 
you know, the whole chat GPT and all the excitement around that. There's just, there's a lot of capabilities that are coming forth that are pretty, it's game changing. I mean, I think Bill Gates said it's the biggest news since the microchip. I mean, it's, it, it's, I think it's, it's hard to imagine the things that you can do. I mean, we're in our visualization group now where, where we do full 3d virtual tours, you know, we're, we're superimposing homes onto sites and with, with the AI now we can, rather than manually kind of artistically try to make those look real, the AI can make it look real. And it, it's something that would take us two weeks. We can do in hours. Yeah. So it's, it's really exciting. Like I didn't think about imagery as like a great breakthrough, but it is, I mean, you can, yeah. you can apply AI to anything. Uh-huh. So it's, it's really cool. Oh, it's so cool. I had an expert show me that just last week. Is that right? And it blew my mind. Yeah. Right in front of my eyes, just giving, uh, I learned that, you know, with the, what 95% of the people experience, which is asking chat GPT a silly question and getting this sort of verbal diarrhea back. Yeah. Um, that's kind of entertaining. Right. But when you, when you train it properly, when you, when you set it up well with four or five or six sort of, uh, informative, you know, right. perspectives and, and for it to take that the quality of what you get back is just unbelievable. Yeah. And beyond text graphics, like you're saying, and, yeah, and creating amazing. renderings and yeah, it's amazing. I mean, our research platform, um, it's got a pretty big research group is, you know, it's human in the loop. So they're providing feedback to the algorithm and that's what gets, makes it better and better. Yeah. You're training it. And so over time it, it can run on its own. So yeah. now we don't, you know, when we initially started, we would have to, we, because we got all the, all the boundaries of subdivisions and properties, we would have to, um, we would, you know, train the algorithm to, to just look at that boundary. Now we don't even have to do that. It just, it just finds it. Amazing. So it's, it's pretty amazing what can happen. It is. It's, it's really amazing. So your next acquisition, you probably can't talk about it. Um, <laughs> but what's the, what's the end, uh, what's the end game? I mean, what is the URL that you want people to go to? I think that's what it is. You want everybody interested in finding a home. I know it's not homes.com and I know yeah. it's not apartments.com. <laughs> Yeah. It's livable without yeah. any, yeah. so it's livable.com. Yeah. Yeah. Well, our goal is to make that, you know, one of the premier listing portables, you know, portals for new homes Yeah, and, and really, you know, if anyone ever thinks of buying a new home, which, you know, in my life, I think I've bought many more new homes than resale. I've bought one resale ever. And, and it's just, it's um, a very different experience. And I think if that's, where you want to go. We want to be the site to make that happen. Yeah. And, and it's really to, you know, the other thing is to bring the industry to the consumer. You know, there's a lot of rock star realtors out there because of these television shows. We think there's a lot of rock star developers, sales and marketing companies, um, architects, all the support systems, designers that, that support this industry. They're relatively unknown to the average consumer. And we believe we own the largest media platform, B2B platform to home building. It's called Builder. It, it was a Builder magazine. And we're going to take that same editorial team. And the person that actually runs that editorial team came from Twitter and actually worked at the Globe and Mail, Canadian. And he's um, developing the same content that we serve up on our B2B. We're going to serve up on our B2C platform on Livable. So it's that cross-pollinization that's super exciting to yeah. me. Cause, cause I think the industry, you know, some of these designers you see on these resale shows, you go, yeah, it's, it's pretty good, but look at like some of the projects you've represented and the quality of design and, and cape. I mean, it's, and you're going to showcase that. 
It's world. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause it's world class. Then people should know about it. Yeah. You know, beyond just marking that tower today, it's like what made it so successful. And some of the, you know, you look at the architecture around Vancouver, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's cool. I get it. And it, and so how do you make money off that though? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out later. No, no, we, we've got a monetization strategy. I mean, it, you know, on livable, it's a, you know, it's a featured listing kind of upgrade to a featured listing platform for for sellers. Yep. And then we'll also our digital solutions, obviously there's upgrades there. So all of our mapping um, capabilities, rendering 3d virtual. You bought a company that's doing a, a 3d renderings. And yeah. Out of Tron, out of Montreal, sorry. Uh, Alpha vision. So yeah. we bought them um, pretty close to the same. Well, no, about a year ago. So, um, and so we brought them on board and they, they came with a group engineering company in India. So we all are, it's all offshore development and, and we've scaled that so that, and the reason we acquired that company is they were, um, they were able to take, what's the third largest home builder in the U S and scale. And so we do all their interactive maps, floor plans for Pulte homes. So if you go on their website today, you'll see all our, our products in, in that platform. And so we tie into How their, do you spell that? What is their website? P U L T E. Yeah. Yep. And they're, um, you know, we, we tie back into their, their CRM and their ERP system. So it's, it's, you can look at inventory real time on what's available on each of their projects. And so we built that system for them. So cool. it's, um, it, it, it'll, it showed us that they could scale. So when you look at the biggest builders in the U.S., like D.R. Horton does 80,000 homes a year, yeah. you have 1,500 active communities. We wanted to know that we could take that system and replicate it for other clients. So, and, and, and that's the idea is to ultimately make it more of a seamless uh, experience for the consumer so that you don't have to go to each individual builder website. You come to Livable, see everything, and someday you'll probably see interactive maps as well. So you'll see real time inventory on our site, yeah. which will give, you know, kind of give it that next level of experience. Yeah. And I say it carefully because if our, one of our, if Justin hears this, he'll be like, wait a minute, that's not happening yet. That's going to be years off. <laughs> oh yeah. He hasn't agreed to it yet. Yeah. yeah. He agrees. Yeah. yeah. But just not right now. No, exactly. It takes longer <laughs> than you hope. Oh yeah, totally. Well, it makes a lot of sense what you're building. I get it. Thank you. Um, you. It seems like your main sort of client will be the uh, developer, you know, that's building the project, has the inventory, and now you you have the buyer's eyeballs. You have a lot of data. Right. Um, you're creating some of the some of the marketing assets, like the 3D renderings, and, right, and all that kind of thing. Um, but no transaction fees. Just uh, just putting it all there, and yeah, no, our our not goal transacting is, anything. No, our goal is to just create the marketplace yeah. and, and we want to support all ends of the, you know, it, you know, whether it's the realtor sales marketing platform, the media company, all we want to be Switzerland and, and, you know, we, we hope to be liked by everybody in yeah. the industry and, and really elevate the industry like it's never been before. So that, that's our goal. Yeah. And, and, you know, and monetize it in different ways. A lot of these companies that we acquire, you know, they just can't, get to, to the scale. And so we, we think we've got the ability to scale them. No doubt. No doubt. I wonder if there's an opportunity to, to layer in any of the type of services that, that we do, you know, the advisory services, call it the, the strategy around making these projects successful beyond just, just putting in uh, creating a rendering and 
Are you doing the logos and the web? I guess not the website. No, we, we don't do any. I mean, we do creative production. We have a we have a creative design team internal for our own. Yeah, you know, brand. So, yeah. um, you know, Livable took about a year to rebrand, and we um, hired an outside agency, but we also had half a dozen internal people working on it as well. Yeah, and so we do that, but we don't do any. You know, we we do have a professional advisory business, but more on the market valuation market study side, yeah. but not marketing strategy. So, yeah. so much, which could be an area that, that we might look at, but again, we, we want to be careful not to, um, you know, you, you got to work in the ecosystem. You don't yeah. want to, you don't want someone to say, Oh, we don't work with them because they compete with us. Yeah. You know, we've got to create this, um, co-opetition type environment yeah. where people feel like, Hey, it's good to support livable because they're, they're out for the industry first. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, we look at, you know, it, it, we, we have a big conference in Dana point at the Ritz Carlton called the builder 100. So it's the top 100 builders come together. We get a lot of the CEOs there and, you know, the CEO of TriPoint, their top 10 home builder in the country said, you know, guys, our biggest competition is used homes. Like, let's get over it. That's like, yeah. we, we compete amongst ourselves, but it's the resale market that really that we're competing with and how do we convince people that new is better uh -huh. and, and you get the locational aspect. I mean, obviously resale homes tend to be in more mature neighborhoods, you know, maybe more walkability, but cheaper. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're right. And especially in context of a lot of the high rise and so forth, but, but what you get is, is this ability to create new and new communities. And there's, there's a lot of, you know, whether it's pickleball, which is a hot amenity these days, I mean, all these, things that you can put into new that you can't put in a resale neighborhood. And, and, in, you know, a lot of these large scale master plans, whether it be, you know, Concord Pacific in a high rise context or a horizontal context, I mean, the largest landowner, I think down in the U S is Brookfield, which they bought acquired Newland. They have like 45 master plan communities in the U S you know, all <laughs> thousand plus units. So you can imagine the scale, but creating community and the studies that our team does around how do you create community and, create a place is, is really exciting and it's, it's fun to watch. You know, so it's, uh, we, we also database over 1200 mass plan communities in North America. So we, we have the largest database of all those communities. So we have all the boundaries, all the amenities. And so we're ultimately that will end up on livable as well. Yeah. So a different context. Yeah. You guys are crushing it. I mean, on the data side for sure. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, even in the context of, uh, you know, especially the new home sector, right? Like they're even Zillow, nobody compares with what you guys have. Yeah. We're probably three to four times their content. That's amazing. Size. Yeah. It's a $20 billion company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, but I see it as collaborative. I don't feel threatened by it. Um, despite how much you're crushing it and, uh, everything that you're doing, <laughs> you know, if there's not space for us to work within your ecosystem, that's, that's our problem. And, um, that's just the way I see it. You know, the world's changing and, yeah. and, and like one of the challenges that you'll have is, as you, um, venture into the, um, into the success part of the business, which is really what we deliver. Right. Um, the, the bigger you get, uh, and the more of everybody that you have, it gets a little bit, it feels like a commodity market a little bit. Right. Right. Like for example, you are Amazon becoming Amazon to the real estate industry where Amazon works so well because everybody just goes there now when they want to buy just about anything because right. the selection is so complete and yep. it's just so easy, frankly. Exactly. And, and it's so similar to what you're doing, but, uh, 
for products themselves, differentiating themselves on Amazon is frankly very difficult. You know, yep. they have limited means to do it. It's quite, you know, everything's quite similar. There are slight product differences, just like there'll always be location differences and slightly uh, maybe some finishing differences in the real right, estate world right. and amenities, but it really looks and feels like a commodity. But the mindset of a developer is that they, they believe that they they want their project to be special. Yep. And they usually hire firms like ours because, um, or a profit center, frankly, we, we, sure. we, uh, make them more money than we cost them. Otherwise they wouldn't hire us. Yeah. So if we can't uh, be hired and, and sort of outperform the market, then, then we shouldn't really exist. But, but our goal is to showcase companies like yours, because I think the consumer they're aware, you know, when you go launch a project, they're probably aware of your company, but not to the level that you and I know what you do. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's like, how do we bring your expertise to the consumer to make the consumer smarter? Cause the consumers today are, they want more transparency. They want to know what you know. Like if you're making the most significant investment in your life, which is a home, they want to know everything about it. And, and you know, it's what I find interesting is the realtor has really been elevated to a level of, you know, a very high level of, um, publicity because of all these shows and PR and, and new home is not there. And I think there's e you know, not only equal, but I think a higher level of capability that the consumer would really enjoy to know more about. Yeah. Right. Cause, cause <laughs> you know, I, I'd rather get professional advice from a company like yours, right. than just learning it on your own. Yeah. So I, I think there's always, there's always going to be a human element to purchasing homes. And I think that's something that we hope to bring is bring the, as I said, bring the industry to the consumer, which, yeah. you know, just hasn't been done at a high level. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, you guys are doing it. I can't believe 90% in three years. That's just going to be amazing to see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's cool. I'm glad you're doing it. I love transparency and I, I like things to be easy. Right. Um, and if you can make companies like ours more important to the public, then that's great. Cause we haven't been able to do it. I don't think the public really cares about us. I know the realtor community, the buyer's agents, sure. I know they care a lot. Um, yep. but I don't know that Joe public, um, might look familiar or something like that. Maybe a competitor like Rennie or something like that would sure. be much more well-known publicly. Um, but I, I see our, ourselves so far as pretty B2B and uh, right. for the consumers, I don't think it's that meaningful. Which has been our history too, B2B. Yeah. So we're, we're, you know, especially in the U S we're very well known with all the home builders, but the consumer doesn't yeah who we are and so livable we hope to make into a household name and it's going to you know we're, we're we launched marketing here about three weeks ago uh campaigns that will run you know f for several years and then we're just launching in the u.s in september yeah so while the database and all the communities are up on the site we're not marketing yet and so we're kind of we want to get everything ready and then start kind of more of an aggressive marketing campaign is zillow your biggest competitor not, you know, not really. I mean, we look at the large, well, you know, we don't think our ambition is to get to their traffic numbers because they're pretty crazy. I mean, you know, their, their unique visitors are at like, they're the largest portal on the globe by far. Um, what are their numbers? I don't know. Um, it depends, but it's close to 200 million. And so no one's, I think realtors 120, Redfin's 80. What period of time is that? Um, that's, that's annual. So that those are big, unique visitors and, and we're not, 
we're not anywhere near and we're just, you know, we're just starting that effort in Canada. We've got good traffic that we can generate enough leads, but in, in us, we're just starting. So it's not, our goal isn't to generate that level of activity. Our goal is to change the consumer experience. Yeah. And some of that might be unlivable. Some of it might be off of livable, Yeah, but just trying to show the consumer that buying new is different. Yeah. And there's a different way to do it. So that yeah. that's, that's really our ultimate goal. Yeah. And so we, we look, well, Zillow certainly has a book of business in new. Um, we think the business is much bigger than they think it is. And it's, it's so different that you can't really fit in on a, you know, a resale portal. Once you dominate new, do you think they're going to want to buy you? You know, our goal is, um, at least my goal as, as a leader is to take the company public. And so our goal would be to, to scale and then ultimately do an IPO rather than a strategic exit. Um, you know, you'll probably see, you know, we're owned by private equity. We'll probably, um, you know, to me, the, the, you know, you've got the, the, the goal of the company that is first and foremost important and the capital equation, it just kind of sits on the side. Like that's just, as one of my friends said, and partners would hate to hear this. They're just the gas in the car. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's terrible as an entrepreneur, but it's, it's, it's kind of true, right? I mean, they, they care about their return first and no offense, they care about the business second. And as an entrepreneur leader, just, I'm sure you're the same way you care about your business, right. And the people that make up the business. I mean, that's to me, what is most important to me is Zonda and the people that work here. Yeah. Like, and the capital will take care of itself. And obviously shareholders and capital, you want to give a solid return to, and that's very important. But if you don't care about the business first, it's hard to succeed. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's the way we look at capital. Yeah. And so, um, that's kind of your first angel. They gave you 50 grand that turned into 500. He did pretty well on the exit. He did. Yeah, he did very well. And, awesome. um, you know, he, he was a great, I mean, I'll never forget. So I was like 24 and, um, my dad thought he was crazy. Like who puts that kind of money into a startup, Yeah, with a you know, kid. and with a kid that doesn't know what he's doing. And it was true. We just, we stumbled a lot, but we ultimately, you know, made it. But, um, how'd you meet that person? Internship program. At San Diego State, yeah, it was it was funny because he it was one of those programs where you interview with all these companies, they pick you, and and then you make your choice. I was his second choice, and so luckily the number <laughs> one choice went. He went to Merrill Lynch, and yeah. I ended up with him. And it was a it was cool because he was a small developer in Del Mar, California, a block from the beach. Um, I worked out of his garage, but the garage in all fairness, had windows looking at the ocean. So it wasn't too rough, Yeah, <laughs> um, but it was a great, it was a really great experience. No doubt. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. That's awesome. Well, it's so great hearing your story, man, because you are such a success on is just on such an unbelievable role. Oh, thank you. And, um, and I'm leaving shortly to go talk to a bunch of 12 year old entrepreneurs. That's so awesome. <laughs> I know you gotta love that. Who are building mazes and, uh, stress balls out of balloons with goop in them. And, uh, buying Lego minifigures wholesale from China and selling them retail. <laughs> wow. Painting awesome. backdrops. Um, and then encouraging people to upselling with backdrops so that yep. they set up battle scenes with the minifigures and then have this space style backdrop and put some things and take cool pictures with their no, cell that's phones. awesome. Yeah. It's so fun. I can't wait to see what they're, what they've come up with. Yeah. I'm sure you, you know, you're an entrepreneur obviously. And it's, 
it's fun to help other entrepreneurs. I love it. Yeah. It's just like, I, I would just, love to learn that in school. Yeah. I mean, it's so cool. And it's, I, I go back and speak at San Diego state. They have an entrepreneur program and it's just fun. It was, so my college roommate was, um, he started a company called Wahoo's fish tacos and he's, he's, a, you know, Asian guy with a Fu Manchu in fish tacos. Yeah. Right. And he, they have about 60 stores now yeah. in the U S so very, very successful. And when you go back and talk to the college, it's like the data guy and the fish taco. None of the kids <laughs> want to talk to the data guy. Yeah. The fish taco guy is so much cooler. Cause he's got, he hangs out with Oakley Quicksilver. He's into all the surf scene. Yeah. And so, and I'm just like, I'm wearing a jacket. He's wearing flip flops. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, anyway, it's fun to see the different flavors of entrepreneurialness and yeah. the type of successes out there. It's, it's really cool. It's not just for the kids either. I, I really believe that entrepreneurs are going to save the world. The world's yeah. pretty fucked up right now and, and, yeah, and it's, it's not getting any better. Yeah. And it's going to be the resourceful, creative, impactful individuals that figure stuff out that for sure. solve a lot of our problems. Yep. I enjoyed this time, man. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. And uh, let's keep in touch and hear more about the, the Zonda journey. Thank you. Yeah, There's a lot to go. Yeah, it's so fun. I appreciate it.